Let me just say before I start this evening to bring to you God's word. Thank you for this opportunity. I've been here for these four Sundays. How quickly the time flies by. But it's been a joy and it's been a delight for me personally to come and to share God's word with you during these weeks. And it's been my prayer that what has been given by way of teaching will indeed be a help and encouragement to you in the days that lie ahead. Now I want you to turn with me to the Word of God and we're turning to the book of Joshua chapter 1 please. The book of Joshua chapter 1 and we'll read a few verses from verse 1. Now after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord it came to pass the Lord speak unto Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt have, thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And then over to the book of Obadiah. Now I'll give you ten minutes to find it. <laughs> if you can find Amos, it's between Amos and Jonah. And it's just got one chapter. And we're just going to read one verse. The book of Obadiah. And it's verse 17. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his inspired words. Now, you may think it's strange when I say this, 
But it's possible to have something and not to enjoy it. That may seem strange, but uh, it's true. Possible to have something and yet not to enjoy it. And this is wonderfully illustrated by a lovely story I read some time ago that happened over in America. There was this dear old woman who for many years lived a very poor existence. She applied for relief from the government and a gentleman went to see her to assess the situation and perhaps offer her some relief in her poverty. And as he looked around the house, he noticed that on the wall there was this piece of paper in a very nice wooden frame. He was attracted to it, and he said to the woman, What's that? Oh, she says, I, I really don't know. Uh, it was sent to me f by my uncle. And I thought it looked a lovely bit of paper, didn't want it to dispose of it, so I got it nicely framed, and there it is, been there for quite a while. The man said, don't you realize what that is? Oh no, she says, I haven't got a clue. My uncle sent me it, I haven't got a clue. What is it? The man said, that, my dear, is a bank check. There's the name of the bank, and it says, pay to Jenny Johnson the sum of five thousand dollars. What, she says? Do you mean to say that all these years I've been living in poverty and all the time I have, I've, been, I've had five thousand dollars? Now, of course, the moral of that story is very clear. She had possessions, but she wasn't enjoying them. And how true that is. You can possess something, but not enjoy it. Let me read to you some verses of Scripture. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we'll see what the Bible has to say. Romans chapter 8, and uh, look at verse 32. And I'm going to ask you to observe something about these readings. Romans 8 and verse 32, it's Paul speaking. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up, delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, I want you to notice a little word that appears in that verse. Gives us all things things. Before I pass on from that verse, did you notice the logic of that verse? Remember the Apostle Paul was a very intelligent man. 
He had a brilliant mind. And I have no hesitation on everyone saying that if he was alive today, he could have been a university professor. Such was his mind. And Romans, of all his letters, is the most systematized. And many times you can see the brilliance of his mind shining through and here's an example of his logic, inspired, of course, by the Spirit of God. Do you see the logic? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, here's the logic. If God has not withheld the greater... It stands to reason he will not withhold the lesser. What brilliance. Isn't that wonderful? If God has not withheld the greater, if he has been prepared to give to us his own beloved son, and God couldn't give us anything greater or more wonderful than his own beloved son, then it stands to reason if he's not withheld the greater, he will not withhold the lesser. And that's the logic we can see in Romans 8, 32. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? And on the line, the wee word, all. Not some things, not many things, not most things, but all things. Okay then, let's go to, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this great letter. And uh, look at verse... Uh, 21. 1 Corinthians 3 21. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God. You see, at the church of Corinth, there were divisions, little cliques. Some said, I belong to Paul. Some say, I belong to Apollos. Some say, I belong to Cephas. Then some said, I, I can beat the whole lot of you. I belong to Christ. Little divisions in the church of Corinth. And Paul had to take them to task about that. And he says, let no man glory in men for all things are yours. Notice again the wee word, all things are yours. Okay, let's go to, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And I want you to notice something wonderful. Ephesians 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and the faithful in Christ Jesus. May I just stop there? Do you realize, dear child of God, that you are a saint? Mm -hmm. Nobody said amen. Mm -hmm. amen. You are a saint. And if Paul was writing to the New Beginnings Church here in Moody'sburg, he would have no hesitation saying, to the saints which are in Moody'sburg Church. So don't forget, dear Christian, you are a saint. Now, you mightn't feel like it. You mightn't behave like a saint. 
But the Bible says you are a saint. And Paul's writing to these saints at Ephesus and he says grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now again we go to Paul's letters and have you ever noticed sometimes it takes Paul about two or three chapters before he gets really into it. Just like some preachers. It takes me a bit of while to get into things. And then when they get into it, they're going to stop. But here's the Apostle Paul. Right from the beginning, as he takes his pen, he's excited. He's sealed. He's full of rapture. And he says, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with some spiritual blessings. Oh, no. Blessed us with many spiritual blessings. Oh, no with most spiritual blessings who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ and not even God himself can give you more than all when God gives you all it means all he can't add any food to it it's all and Paul says you believers at Ephesus God has blessed you with all all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now then, nip over to Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one and verse three. Second Peter chapter one and verse three. According as his divine power have given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. And there's just a wee specimen of many scriptures that emphasize time and time again that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And during the last three Sundays, we've been looking at God's riches. The riches of his goodness, the riches of his grace, and then last Sunday, the riches of his glory. And here we find in Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Peter, he mentions other blessings, spiritual blessings. My dear Christian, we are a rich people but that is the question if we've got all these blessings the Bible clearly teaches them then how is it that many and I speak very graciously how is it that many of God's people are living like spiritual paupers instead of spiritual millionaires we have to confess, do we not? At least I confess, and I'm sure you do, that we are not possessing our possessions. And with the result, we're living in spiritual poverty. And all the time, we've got all these blessings that God has wonderfully lavished, bestowed upon us. Now, let me give to you 
some reasons why that is so. I'm going to mention three reasons this evening. And perhaps as I mention these reasons, it might apply to you personally. It might apply to me personally. And it could be because of these reasons, you're not living as spiritual billionaires, but rather as paupers. Here's the first reason. A very obvious one. Because of ignorance. We go back to the the old woman. She was in complete ignorance as to the meaning of that piece of paper in the nice little frame on the wall. Complete ignorance. She hadn't a clue what it was about. And because of her ignorance, she dwelt in poverty for many years until she got the paper out of the frame, took it to the bank, put it over the counter, and got the $5,000 that changed her life from poverty into plenty. And for many of God's people, that is the reason why they're living in spiritual poverty. Because of ignorance. Now of course when I use the word ignorance. I'm not referring to IQ. You could be very brilliant. You could be very intelligent. Have a high IQ. But uh, I'm referring exclusively. To ignorance of God's words. How are we getting on reading our Bibles? Today. Let me ask you a question. Did you take the time to read your Bible today? You had your breakfast. You put on your clothes. You did all those other things. Now tell me, did you take the time to come aside and to read God's words? A survey was taken over in America some time ago with regard to Christians. And it was shocking what was revealed by that survey. Many Christians, professing Christians, did not read their Bible from one Sunday onto the next Sunday until they came to church. How sad and how pathetic that is. Think of it. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, no Bible. And then they go to Sunday and to read the Bible and to hear it explains. Have you read your Bible today? Many of God's people, they're ignorant because they're not taking the time and the trouble to read the Scriptures. And when I say read the Scriptures, I'm not just referring to a wee portion here or a wee portion there, sometimes in the Psalms, sometimes in the Gospel, or no friends. I mean all the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, 66 glorious books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And it's by reading these books, God's words, that you're going to find information with regard to the possessions that are yours in Christ Jesus. They tell me, are you like that wee woman in the story? 
It's ignorance. You're not taking the time to read the Bible. But not just reading the Bible, but meditating upon it. Now, I used to know a dear woman in Motherwell. My dear friend Sandy would know her. I'm not mentioning names. And uh, when I was passing a church in Motherwell, she used to come to me all excited on a Sunday. She says, Pastor, Pastor, I've read my 16 chapters today. And I said, that's wonderful, dear. 16 chapters you've read? Marvelous. But dear friends, it's not how many chapters you read every day that counts. Far better to read 16 verses and get something out of it than read 16 chapters and get nothing out of it. In other words, when you read the Bible, you've got to take the time to meditate upon it. Ponder it, think it over, or to use an analogy, the old cow in the field, chewing. <laughs> Enjoy extracting all the nourishment from what he's eating, what she's eating, you see. That's a good illustration of meditation. You take the word and you begin to think about it, begin to ponder it, you turn it over in your mind. What are you doing? You are extracting God's word. And it becomes part and parcel of you. It gets into your mind, into your heart, and into your, into your memory. Oh, you say, Stanley, you don't know my memory? <laughs> Again, let me give you, I think, a scientific fact. It's reckoned that in your lifetime, you don't use at least 75% of your memory. Think of it. You're only using about 25%. What about the other 75%? Ah, but you haven't forget what that wee woman said to you all those years ago. <laughs> and that brother who upset you, ah, you haven't forgot him. <laughs> Far better to fill your mind with the word of God. Take our Lord Jesus in the wilderness. Now, he did not go into the wilderness with the, the 39 books of the Old Testament underneath his arm. Oh, no, friends. When the devil came to him and tempted him three times, he said, It is written. It is written. It is written. Ah, but you see, the Lord knew it was written. You can't bluff the devil, friends. He knows the scriptures as well as you do. And the Lord said, it is written. And he referred back to those quotations in the book of Deuteronomy. And he defeated the devil by the word of God. So could this be the reason why you're living in poverty spiritually? Because of ignorance. Dear friends, get into the Bible, read it. Study it, meditate upon it, and you'll find God will open your mind, and you'll see, oh yes, this is mine, this is mine. And you'll take it, as old Spurgeon says, to the bank of faith, put it over the counter, and uh, those checks won't bounce. God will honor them, his own precious words. Now, let me give you a second reason. 
It may be because of self-satisfaction. And there are many of God's people. And they are satisfied at the stage they've reached in their Christian life. Now some time ago I came across a quotation. And I'm going to give it to you. It's a very good one. Here's what it says. You are as spiritual as you want to be. Isn't that good? You are as spiritual as you want to be. And many of God's people, sad to say, they've reached the stage, they've sold their arms. Ah, you can't teach me anything. I know it all. I've reached the land of pure delight. I've reached it. Poor, pathetic Christians. You've reached it. Oh, no, you haven't. Before you, the length, the breadth, the depth, the height. Self-satisfied. If that's the case, dear Christian, you'll never enjoy all the blessings that God has given to you. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. He says, forgetting those things which are behind. Now let me just pause there. <laughs> One of the problems of getting old... And I'm speaking, I'm not speaking to you, Graham. You haven't got that stage yet. Uh, I think most of us, no, no, you too, dear. You, you haven't got that stage. And the young ones. I'm referring, I'm referring to this crowd. <laughs> One of the problems of getting old is this. If we're not careful, we live in the good old days. What preaching we had in the good old days. What preachers we had in the good old days. And everything is in the past. Now dear friends, you've got to remember the past. But for goodness sake, don't live in the past. You're living in the present in the 21st century. What happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago? Wonderful. Praise God for it. But Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. Remember Paul. You were caught up to the third heaven. And you had, you had visions and, and revelations. Forgetting those things. And you had a tremendous conversion on the road to Damascus. You forget. Oh yes he says. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth on the, those things which are ahead. I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. According to the Greek students. The Greek scholars. When Paul says, I press, he's using a very strong Greek verb. It literally means, I agonize. I agonize. I press. I agonize as I go forward to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Tell me, Christian, are you agonizing? Are you pressing forward? Are you forgetting the past? You're not living the past. I hope you're not. I press toward the mark. Oh, what a character Paul was. You see, he wasn't satisfied with what he had arrived at. I press toward the mark. Never be satisfied. The best is yet to be. God has wonderful things ahead of you. 
And I also speak with regard to this little fellowship. Brother Sam in his prayer made reference to the fellowship here, the testimony. That's wonderful. But tell me, let me let me challenge you this evening. Have you got a vision that every seat will be occupied? You're saying, Stanley, come on, come on, be real. What planet are you from? Well, dear friend, tell me, can God not do that? Is it impossible of God to do it? Maybe you couldn't do it. But with God, all things are possible. And it would be wonderful in a few years' time if Graham invites me back again and I come and I can hardly get a seat. The place is packed to capacity. Standing room only, short circuit television to, to relay the, the, the meeting. You see, dear friends, don't you put any limitations upon God. God is wonderful, God is great. And God can fill this place with people with hungry hearts. He can bring them in. But, dear friends, be prepared when that happens. He may not send in the doctors or the lawyers or the medical fashion. Ah, we want those kind of people, don't we? Plenty of money. No problem. Ah, but he might send in the poor drug addict. He may send in the poor prostitute. Makes send in the poor alcoholic. Do you, want to, do you want to see those people? They're the sinners for whom Christ died. They're the ones that can be saved and transformed. You see, I've ministered to many churches over the years. And many of the churches, they are very respectable. And they don't want that kind of increase. Oh, no. Oh, Lord, send us the doctors. Send us the professors. Send us the lawyers. Send us the barristers. That's the kind of people we want. We are a very, very important church. And God says, no, I'm going to send you the riffraff. I'm going to send you the rejects of society. And they come in. And you know what happens? They disturb the meeting. They don't come in nicely dressed. Oh, no, they come in in totters. And they don't use lovely language that you're going to use. But you see, they're sinners whom Christ has died. So, dear friends, get a vision for this place. See every seat occupied. Why not start the night? Go from seat to seat and pray for every seat. Oh, God, let this seat be occupied. You know, friends, I'm saying things that's not in the paper this evening. They're not the notes. Why am I saying this? Because God has put it in my heart. Would someone say amen? God can do it. And what a testament it would be when people in Moodysburn say, get to Moodysburn Church. God's there. And he's changing lives as it was in the days of our Lord Jesus. It says it was noised abroad that he was in the house. And they flocked and they couldn't get in. They couldn't get in. It was noise that Jesus was in the midst. Dear friends, the world confuses churchianity with Christianity. There's a big difference. Christianity is not churchianity. You can keep your churchianity, you can keep your religion. Christianity is different. It's centered around the person of our Lord Jesus, who's alive.
and alive forevermore. So, ignorance, that could be a reason. Self-satisfaction, that could be a reason. But let me very quickly finish. Reason number four, reason number three. Could it be cause of fear? Fear. You're afraid to go forward. Fear. Do you remember... Moses sent out 12 spies to spy out the land of Canaan. They left Kadesh Barnea and they went into the Canaan and they, for 40 days they spied out the land. And they, brought, they came back with a lovely report. 10 for, 10 against and 2 for. So dear friend, remember, the majority is not always right. You might believe in democracy, but remember, the majority is not always right. And ten go back and they said, no, it's, it's a great country. It's a land thrown with milk and honey. But, but, but. Always watch out for the but. But there's the wall cities. There's the Hittites, the Amorites, the Jacobites. And you know, there's the big giants. And we just seem in their sight as grasshoppers. Oh yes, no, we can never go up. No, it's too much for us. Wherefore, better stay at home. We can never conquer that. That's ten give that report. But thank God for the minority. Two, Joshua and Caleb. They spoke up. And they said, we are well able to go up and take the land. But you know what happens? The report of the ten prevailed against the two. And for the next 40 years, they were destined to wander in the desert. One year for every day. And all that generation from 20 years old and upward, they all perished. And not one of them, apart from Joshua and Caleb, entered the promised lands. You see, fear. The giants. But let me say something, dear Christian. If you're going to go through with God, be prepared for the giants. Be prepared for the headites and the parasites and other, the otherites. Because they'll be with you to try and stop you and frustrate you. But remember this. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We may lose a, wee, a few bottles along the way, but victory is secure at the end. Let me finish the words of that lovely old hymn. Then forward still, tis Jehovah's will, though the billows dice and spray, with a conquering tread we will push ahead, he'll rule the sea away. There's Israel at the Red Sea. Behind them, the Egyptians, mad after them. On either side, the wilderness. In front of them, the Red Sea. Which way to go? You can't go back. Can't go forward. Can't go sideways. But you see, when there's no way, God will provide a way. And he opened the Red Sea. And they went through on dry land. Is any wonder when they got the other side, you have the first reference to singing in the Bible. Think of it. 
thousands joining in a tremendous song. How for God it was our strength, our rock, our refuge. So, dear Christian, the Lord will in the next time I come, if Graham is so gracious to invite me again, and he's, he's not obligated to do so. <laughs> he's probably tired of me anyway. I shall say, my, I want to see those spiritual millionaires again. Because they've gone in and they're possessing the land. And they're not living any longer as paupers. But they're living as millionaires. The Lord bless you.